0: Oh, wow. My god.
1: <laughs> okay. Get your camera out because this is like this is like holy bling. Wait, here we go. I see the camera like <laughs> Representing the gold. Woo! Thank you guys so much. Hey, everybody, especially if we are here at Legacy, can we give New Hope Hilo a big,
0: big, big, big hand? Thank you so much. Um, Now, in my younger years, I might have
1: preached with this thing on, but my body don't (laughs) work the way that it used to, so I promise I'll eat it, but I'll just have to. It's okay if I preach without it, because I think my neck's already starting to go like this. This is the weight of glory, amen. So my awesome daughter, Serena. Serena, can you come and get this, honey, for me? Thank you, thank you. This is one of my awesome daughters, and my other daughter is right there, Karis. You put my hand, your hands together for my girls. <laughs> and no, gentlemen, you cannot date them. Not here. <laughs> it was like, ooh, it was like, uh uh-uh. uh. No. How many of you are ready for the Word of God for tonight? Amen. As I talked with Pastor Sheldon and the team, and I said, well, what is it that you're going to be teaching on, you know, when it comes in this time and season? They said, you know, we've been in a series, Pastor Alex, on relationships. And we talk about relationships. It wasn't just relationships of the dating kind or the married kind, but just relationships in general, because how many of you know that we need people? Hello? We need people, right? You know, it's interesting to me that there is a song that I think most people know. It goes like this, sometimes in our
0: lives, we all have pain, we all have, oh, but if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean. Just call on me. You just call on me brother when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. Yeah. Man, I
1: have never been in a place where that song breaks out and somebody's like, ah, shut up. I don't need nobody. I just lean on myself, brother. I don't need a hand. If I need a hand, I just shake it. No. But it's crazy how often, though, we don't lean on others. We sing about it. We love it when we sing about it. But I wonder this. I wonder if that song, like instantaneously, I mean, and I just got to say there is a younger generation, so there was some risk
0: that they'd be like, what the heck is he saying?
1: You know what I mean? But I love it. I had young people who was like, Why? I wonder if that song has such resonance because that's what we were created to do all along. As much as we don't tend to lean on people, I think that song bears resonance because we were made that way. God calls us. In fact, says, I know this is going to sound crazy, but do you know that God isn't enough? (gasps) Pastor, did you say that? Well, I'm only saying that because Jesus said... He didn't say, all you need is me, you don't need anything else, don't talk to people, you don't need anything else. I read somewhere that we need to lean on people, that we need the body of Christ. So it's not that Jesus is not enough, he could be enough and do that, but he's the one who has said, listen, you shall lean on others, you shall love one another and find your strength, yes, in me, but also as you share your burdens one with another and so fulfill the law of Christ. As you confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. Notice Jesus involves people in his great work. So God could be completely sufficient and we don't need anybody. I've never met anybody who just tried to fly God solo and it was enough. We need people. We need relationships. And so what I want to give you today is something that is going to help no matter what your relationships are. It's going to help your relationships grow. Everyone say grow. Grow. And as we move into that, I want to talk about tonight in terms of relationships, the gift of growth. The gift of growth. It's time to mature our relationships, no matter where it is. It's time to move them into the next thing that God has for them because I don't know about you, I want my relationships to be growing. And one of the things I experience a lot as a pastor is I experience a lot of people coming to me saying, Pastor Alex, I feel stuck. Whether it's they're stuck in their marriage, whether it's stuck in a friendship, whether it's stuck in various business relationships or whatever it is, we just get to certain places where we want the relationship to go to another level, but we just can't seem to do it. Can I get an amen? Anybody understand that? So what I want to give you tonight is something from the Word of God that is going to help you to know what are the necessary ingredients to make your relationships grow. How many of you are ready for for, for some relationship fertilizer? Okay. As <laughs> no time fertilize us, Lord. <laughs> Let us be green and fruitful. Okay. So what I'm going to do is we're going to start by taking a look at a passage. It comes from Luke chapter 13, and Jesus tells a parable that's rather interesting. It should appear on the screen, and it does right here. I'd like for us. This is the one time that the other verses I'll read, but I like for us all that I love it when people read the Word of God together because the Word of God is power. Amen? And so let's declare this nice and loud. You can follow along with me. Let's read it together. Ready, go. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit in the next year, good. If not, then cut it down. Anybody ever been in a place like that where you had something that you wanted to bear fruit, but it just isn't doing it, and sometimes we just say, man, we just need to cut this down. Need to get rid of it. And Jesus is the one who tells this parable, but in the parable there's a lesson. Because here's what it is, there's something that's supposed to bear fruit, there's something that's supposed to be profitable, but it's just not doing it, and so this this man who owns a vineyard just says, cut it down. I don't want it wasting any more soil, but there's one who is familiar with how to bring the best fruit out of people. Who knows how to bring the best out, and he says, listen, give me one more year, everyone say one more year. And then he says, I'll dig around it. Everyone say, dig around. around. And everyone say, fertilize it. When I do those things, let's see if it bears fruit. I feel that in this parable are some powerful things that will teach you about three necessary ingredients. To make the tree of any relationship you want grow. Any relationship. It could be husband to wife. It could be parents to children. It could be siblings. It could be any dynamic. Friendships, business partnerships, or whatever it is. These are the necessary ingredients that every relationship needs in order to make it grow. Now, I think that that's important because a lot of times, especially as I'm talking with people in their relationships, even marital ones, and I know a lot of us aren't married, but I think that if you're not, then maybe there's a desire that you are. I talk to people and they just, man, they're so discouraged because they, don't, they feel like they don't have the awesome Christian marriage. Everybody's got the awesome Christian marriage or they've got the awesome Christian friendship and stuff like that, but I don't have it. So we get discouraged thinking like, oh man, mine's just not awesome. Can I tell you the goal of life is not to have awesome the goal of life is to grow. Preach. Yes, and I do say that with a loud preach. Can I tell you why? Because awesome is very difficult to attain. And then who even quantifies the awesome? We look at somebody else, compare, and go, their relationship looks awesome. I can't tell you how many times people have said, Oh, I wish I had a relationship like them, and I'm the person's passive that they're pointing to. I'm like, <laughs> Well, just keep praying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why? Because looks can be deceiving. But I'll tell you, here's the thing that I want, to, I want to give you this message for tonight because I want you to be encouraged in your relationships and not discouraged. I want you to be in a place where you receive something from God, where you understand that the goal is not awesome, the goal is not perfect, the goal is not bomb, the goal is growth. And if you are in something that is growing, even if it's Manini, even if it's a step at a time, that is called growth, and that is reflective that God is in the midst. And that's encouraged. because I'll tell you, how many of you, awesome might be hard, but I can grow? How many of you, I can grow? I didn't say we can shoot up like nine feet tall, but look at someone next to you and say, you can grow at least this much, right? You can grow at least that much, all right? So out of this parable, out of this parable comes a formula I'd like to give you. Now, don't get scared, any of you are like, formula, I don't do math, okay? This formula is this, and you see it appearing on the screen. Everyone say, grace Grace plus truth truth over time time equals equals growth. Now, when I talk about that parable, notice the thing. Give it a year. What part of the parable is that? That's time. I'll dig around and fertilize it. Which part is the digging around, do you think? You'd think so. But that's truth. Somebody said truth with an F. (laughs) Truth. Okay? Because how many of you know, to get to the truth, you got to dig around. But in order for it to grow and prosper, that's grace. That's the fertilizing. The giving it what it needs. And so what I want to talk about, and to say this, is that grace... Any relationship, if you will intentionally make it a grace-filled relationship, and you will add truth into that context, over time, I promise you, your relationship will grow. Now, I'm not promising you bomb. I'm not promising, like, oh, brah, nuts. You know what I mean? I'm promising you it will grow. And I'll tell you, I would rather steady be growing than waiting for all these mountain peak awesome experiences only to come back down. Oh, we need awesome. Come back down. You know what? I would rather just keep growing. So if we're going to do this, then we need to start one piece at a time. Everyone say grace. grace. So what is grace? That's what I want to talk about, and it'll appear here on the screen. Grace is unmerited favor toward, God, toward people. Now, everyone say unmerited. unmerited. And say favor. Yes. Those are two different things. Unmerited means there's nothing you can do to earn it. It is given to you not based on your performance. It is given to you based on your need. I love that. Because if it's performance, I might not get it. But if it's based on my need, it's always going to be available to me. And it's favor. Someone say favor. favor. That's right. Somebody said it at the right there. It was like favor. Okay? Favor. Favor is goodness coming your way. So grace is an undeserved good that comes your way. And God gives us unmerited favor. By its nature, you can't earn it. It isn't by merit or deserved. It is tied to unconditional love and acceptance. And such love is the foundation upon which all healing of the human spirit exists. What do you mean, Pastor? Here's what it is. Anyone had a relationship where you knew you could be just who you are, the way that you are, broken pieces, warts and all? That those people accept you, they love you, they care for you? Anybody know what it's like to have a relationship with grace in it? Some of you may not, but if any of you do, then I'm just not seeing a whole lot of hands because what that means is, unfortunately, that might be rare, but do you know that that's the type of relationships that we're to have? But I do want to say that all of you have, if you belong to Christ, all of you have experienced that in Jesus. But God is calling us to give it to one another as people. That we are to, if you are ever wanting your relationship to grow, then you are going to have to create a grace-filled environment. I call it a no-condemnation fly zone. <laughs> that means that in this relationship, there's nothing you can do, there is nothing you can say, there is nothing that can happen that will ever keep me from loving you and accepting you. How many of you think we need more relationships like that? Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen. That's grace. That's grace. You could be exactly who you are. You don't need to hide your thoughts or your feelings. You don't need to perform. You don't need to do anything to be loved. Someone knows the real you and loves you anyway. Come on, somebody say preach. Okay? (laughs) They know you all bust up, and they still love you anyway. Now, why is this super important? It's super important because a lot of the things that keep relationships divided apart is things that are hidden on the inside thoughts, things that we've done. And it is only if there is grace in the relationship that people even feel comfortable coming out and being their real self. How many of us, unfortunately, have been in a relationship with people who wasn't their real self? Over time, it kind of, like, kind of crept out. It was like, like that, right? But I'll tell you, if you put grace in the relationship instead of one day, it's like, you know what I mean? Grace in the relationship means kind of like, You know, it's good. I I don't like surprise attacks. I don't do the whole horror movie thing, like surprise you all at once. You know what I mean? I like to see it kind of creeping out over time. And grace allows for steady creeping. (laughs) Versus all of a sudden, blah! You know what I mean? So everybody say grace. grace. Now, it's not only grace that we need. Everyone say truth. So we need truth, which is going to be the next part that we're going to look at. Now, truth, what is that? It's founded in giving direction. Now that grace is in place, now that I know that I'm loved and accepted, I know that there is, that there is this place where I'm experiencing that unconditional love that God has for me. Now, truth begins to find its way into the relationship. It's founded in giving directions. It's tied to setting limits. It's about letting us know reality and clearly defining what will help us and what will hurt us. Look at someone next to you. Take them by the hand. I'm not kidding. This is right. Take them by the hand. Somebody next to you. Look them in the eye and say, neighbor. Neighbor. Oh, neighbor. neighbor, Reality reality is your friend. friend. Now, you might have answered back and said, no, it ain't. (laughs) You know? No, it ain't. (laughs) Reality is not my friend. But I'll tell you, reality is. Reality is like the scales that we so often don't want to jump on. We like to believe and fantasize we're in a different condition than we really are. But how many of you know the scales never lie? And here's the thing. So often the reason we don't get better is because we won't live in reality. But reality is our friend, and that means that truth is so necessary for relationships. How many of you have ever experienced a relationship get rocky because the truth wasn't in it? Now, that truth can be the Word of God. That truth can be the Word of God. We need to understand God's Word and His directions for our life in order for us to have fruitful and healthy relationships. We do. But I do want to say that that truth also has to do with having those people be able to tell you What you need to hear and not what you want to hear. Anybody got some friends like that? I actually love those friends. There's a word that says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. From the book of Proverbs, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What was, what was King Solomon trying to communicate? He's trying to say one of the best things a friend can do, you, do to you is oftentimes let you know the truth. They can tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And the more that we want to move towards a truly healthy and good relationship and don't just want to fake the funk relationship where I think it's cool, but it really isn't, if I do, then truth is going to be necessary because I need to know where I really am. That person needs to know where they really are. And when we're doing that, we can move together in a good way. Amen? Amen. Now, that being the case, let's talk about putting grace and truth together because i want to give you something of an illustration because i want you to see how necessary these things are for reconstructing relationships and making us strong how many of you out there have ever had surgery before anybody had surgery how many of you wave your hand at me if you have if you've had the type of surgery where they knocked you out like ll cool j said okay mama said knock you out type surgery okay now some of you were, So, anybody who was like 30 old older was like hey i got that one okay Now, knock you out surgery. Now, I believe that the way that grace and truth work together is something like surgery because you've never had to have surgery for nothing. It's because something's wrong and they're trying to fix it. And so in light of that, I have some pictures that are going to help us to understand because when I think about it, and you guys can bring them up, when I think about truth, okay, I think that this picture represents something of what it is that we're doing. Now, these two pictures are going to come up, and this one is one of the things that's necessary for surgery because the two things that are necessary for surgery are anesthesia, right, and scalpel. Now, both are necessary for surgery, right, okay, okay. Now, when it comes down to this, anesthesia is what knocks you out so that you can handle the scalpel. Right? And how many of you, if you've had that type of surgery, you're like, listen, you listen to Dr. LL Cool J. Mama says, knock me out. Okay? Because I know that in that picture, I need anesthesia and I need scalpel. And in this, I believe the anesthesia represents grace. And I believe that the scalpel represents truth. Now let's talk about how necessary both of these are by looking at them in their extremes. Let's talk about just doing truth. Okay? Let's. I guess some of you are like that. Man, I just got to tell them what's going on. I just got to keep it real. You know what I mean? I just, they, just, they don't need any of that fluff. I just need to break them off so that they know what's going on. Okay? Those are the best type of friends, aren't they? Just sledgehammer all the way. Now, I want you to imagine if you were having surgery and your doctor says, hey, listen, you know what? I am so tired of all, aren't you tired of being overcharged? And you're like, yeah, I'm tired of being overcharged. Me too. And I'm just not into this whole, you know, the anesthesiologist costs more money and then they got to put like the machine and they got to get all that other stuff. So here's the thing. I'm like, I got you, I've got a discount for you. We don't need that anesthesia. That is just unnecessary money to be spent. So here's the thing. Let's just scrap the anesthesia. You're going to save at least $1,000, and you're going to be just fine, okay? Great. And so he says, okay, here we go, scalpel. Bam! And he cuts you. And isn't this what would happen if you didn't? Ah! Bam! (laughs) Come on, wouldn't you punch that doctor? You know they don't tickle you with that scalpel. And that doctor's sitting there, bam, what would you hit me for? And you're like, are you crazy? If you're going to cause that type of incision, then you at least need to knock me out. You at least need to give me some anesthesia. You have to give me something that's going to give me the ability to bear the pain. Can you imagine surgery without anesthesia? You can't even fathom it. And here's the thing, when you get the anesthesia, then you can take the scalpel. You don't even know, you just knocked out. But they're working on you. I believe, and how many of you can experience and understand this with me, I believe when we try to go truth with no grace, it's like surgery with no anesthesia. You just cutting. But can you please give me some love, right? <laughs> now you might think that that's one extreme, but can I tell you the other extreme is just as dangerous. What happens if the doctor just says to you, you know what? i don't really like the blood thing either you know what i mean and i don't like pain pain is just not it's not from god you know what i mean and so (laughs) here's what we're gonna do i'm going to and you can bring it up i'm gonna give you anesthesia and i'm just gonna knock you out yes i know you have fourth stage cancer and it's painful but i don't want to cut because cut no cut is ow i don't want cuts so here's what's going to happen. Anytime you feel pain, I'll just knock you out again. And I'll just knock you out again. And I'll just not. Here's the thing. you just get All the time you're just going to be like, wow, you amazing. Well, I think I feel, whoop, bang. oh, that feels amazing. Wow. <laughs> how many of you know that that is called loving you to death? Because you might feel awesome. You never feel the pain. But how many of you know that just because you don't feel the pain, that cancer is still there? You would die feeling awesome. (laughs) But how many of you know you don't go to the doctor just to feel good and die, you go to feel good and live, right? So we need to have both. We need to have anesthesia. Now listen, which one needs to come first? Anesthesia, right? Anesthesia needs to come first. You know, this, this is not junk in a pole for that. <laughs> Sorry, you get scalpel first. And if it hurts, we'll knock you out. We'll anesthesia on you. You know, like, no. What always has to come first? Anesthesia. That means what always has to come first in relationships? Grace. And notice that the degree, hear this. If you're taking notes, then you can write this down. It's not going to appear on the screen, but you can take this down. The de- degree of truth a relationship can handle is exactly proportional to the amount of perceived grace in the relationship. Don't worry, I'm going to say it again. So you are like, what? Okay. The amount of truth a relationship can handle. Now, you can just drop the truth on people, but the goal is to speak truth in a way that's going to be transformational. Amen? So the degree of truth that a relationship can handle is proportional or equal to the perceived amount of grace in that relationship some of you have broken people off with the truth and you wonder why it didn't work you might have gave them like a truckload of truth and a whoop of grace
2: <laughs>
1: we know that we need truth but truth just like the surgeon's scalpel it is so much easier to receive the scalpel when there is anesthesia when there is grace that allows us to do that amen and so when we put these two together, then we see some points that are going to appear here on the screen. See, when grace and truth come together, they invite us out of isolation and into connection with others. They invite the true self, the real you, warts and all, bus-upness and all, as he's used to saying, pajackness and all. Okay, you're like, but Jack, what's that? Is that Hebrew for something? No, that's just in Los Angeles. That's, this way things, things are buss up. <laughs> Warts and all, you can come out, and if we are ever going to mature, if we are ever going to grow, then we must be in an environment where we will experience grace and truth. Amen? Amen. Now, this being the case, it should not surprise us that Jesus would have a tie here. Look at this. I'm t- if Jesus came with something for you, how many of you know you must need it? And this verse is going to appear, it's right here on the screen, it speaks to this in John chapter 1, it says, the word became flesh, this speaks of Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What does that tell you? It tells you you need both. Jesus comes with grace and truth for you, and how many of you know that? Sometimes it just shocks us the grace of God. I should preach a sermon once called Shocking Grace because grace will shock you. Sometimes it's so shocking that you don't even believe it. And you know, no, no, God, no, no, I pushed the line too far. There's no way God has grace for me. No, people run out of grace. Your God never does. And here's an example that comes from this it comes from the book of John 2 and chapter 8. It says that there was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, the act. Steaming mess in a bedroom, something's going off, and all of a sudden, boom, they break in, they grab the woman, and they throw her at the feet of Jesus. They say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act. We didn't even hear about it, like the act. Like she's still sweaty and nasty, like in the act. That's how they're breaking it down.
0: I can say it to the, the,
1: the kids are getting used to me because they're like in shock that I'm speaking so real. So adults, it's probably like, oh, hey, there it is. We can handle straight up truth. Woman was caught in the act and thrown at his feet. They say in the law, it says this woman should be stoned. What do you say? And if you know the story, it says that Jesus got down on the ground and began to write with his finger. And he wasn't responding to them. And they're sitting there like... Is he not here? He's like caught in adultery. And there's like the husband is sweating. And then we do it at the floor. Hey! Adultery! Get a rock! Smash or something! What's going on? And Jesus is writing. And then he stands up and he says, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone to her. Be the first to throw a stone. And what's interesting is, every single one of them walked away dropping their rocks on the ground, so that only it is Jesus and the woman. Now, to understand the profundity of the, or the hugeness of the love of Christ for you, because some of you feel that you have done things and you have disqualified yourself. This woman didn't just have, you know, sexual relations outside of marriage. This is adultery, folks. Can you imagine if somebody, if for those of you who come to New Hope Hilo, can you imagine Pastor Sheldon teaching and they bring in a woman and they drop her right at the feet and say that this woman was having an adulterous affair and they name the man and he's a part of this church, you know the fan, So it's not some stranger. I wonder how, how many churches people are like, oh, scandalous. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. How could you, you home wrecker? Right? What would we do? Throne. this You have to visualize. Otherwise, you read the stories, and you're like, oh, that was nice. Visualize, okay? <laughs> Bam, Pastor Sheldon's teaching, thrown right at the feet. That's what happened. Now, all that's left is Jesus and this woman. And this part of the dialogue is what happens. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Now I'm telling you, if it's just you and Jesus, how many of you might even think like Jesus? Be like, "Are you crazy? Do you not know that sin and all these things?" Look at the words of your Savior. Has anyone condemned you? And she says, "No one." What? No. That's powerful. She doesn't say, "No one, sir." No one, prophet, guy. No one, like you know, whatever. No one, Lord. Even in her shame, she recognizes who is in front of her. And read it with me, what he says. Let's read this part, nice and proud. Okay, it says from there where it says then. Ready, go. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and, I'm sorry, yeah, go now and leave your life of sin. Neither do I condemn you. What part of the formula is that? Come on, talk to me. Say it nice and loud. Grace. But notice he doesn't say neither do I condemn you. Au revoir. <laughs> Notice, neither do I condemn you, but go now and sin no more. What part is that, folks? Truth. truth. He came from the Father full of grace and truth. This is where the consistency in life in our relationships is going to be, too. Where we do not condemn anybody, but we tell people the truth. Sometimes the truth is the scripture... Because it's this, like sometimes some people are wrestling with like addictive patterns and we could say, listen, there's nothing that you can do that is going to make me love you any less. And we're like, oh, thank you. But if you keep doing that, you're going to destroy your marriage. If you keep doing that, you're going to wreck that friendship. If you keep in that pattern, you're going to destroy your body and your life and you will lose everything. Oh, what would you say that for? I thought you loved me. How many of you know if you love people enough, that's when you tell them the truth? Too many relationships. I love you. I love you. I accept you the way that you are. I accept you the way that you are. Here it is. And what we're doing is we're giving grace and grace. We're anesthesiaing them to death. (laughs) And they're like, thank you for receiving me. (gasps) Thank you so much. You know? They keep smoking. They keep drinking. They keep doing whatever it is. Why? Because unconditional love. Well, unconditional love needs to be there. But that unconditional love should be supported by truth that's being spoken. Amen? So we come to this as we move into a way of closing. There's one last part of the equation. Everybody say time. Time. Now when it comes down to time, let's talk about time for a second. Because I want to say this. Maturity, healing, and growth are a process, not a light switch. Because some of you are going to give grace and truth all in five seconds. I love you. Now stop messing up. And you can come to me writing me emails, Pastor Alex, they didn't change. I gave them grace and truth, and they're still tripping out. Okay? Look at someone next to you and say, let them grow. Okay? <laughs> let, let them grow. Okay? You know, let them grow. Can I tell you this? That time piece is essential. It takes time, folks. The grace and the truth need to be continual. What happens is we give grace for a while while it's convenient. And we give truth. But how many of you are like me? Sometimes we need some repeated dosages of grace and truth over time before the change starts to happen. See, time... That issue of time is so key. Because like it says in that post, it's a light... Maturity and healing and growth or a process on a light switch. However, how much do we want the light switch? Can I tell you something? Satan is the master of quick fixes. How often does Satan tempt us with instant intimacy through crossing the line sexually, but God offers what? The faithful building of a loving relationship that takes time with grace and with truth. How many people, honestly, when we think about this, when we want to lose weight, give me the quickest diet fad. I'll spend this money and do that. Here's the reality, man, is that so often we want a quick fix to those things, but we never learn the discipline of what it means to live a healthy life. This issue of time is so critical because so many people are in pain, and Satan offers them drugs and alcohol as immediate relief from suffering. But God wants you to get rid of the drugs and the alcohol so that you can walk with him. And what he's going to do is help build your character. He's going to teach you what it means to live on him and him alone in the sense of not needing substances outside of yourself. And he wants to develop the character that will help you to deal with real life struggles and real life pains. Folks, this takes time. It takes time. How many of you recognize that God, and how so many of you are shocked because God has given you grace and truth, and He's had to keep giving it to you? How many of you are thankful that time is a part of that, because if God said, "Listen, you've got one year to get it straight or you're done." Can you imagine if God said that to you? One year, and that's it. How many of you are thankful that because of unconditional love? It's not time. Now here's the thing, the less you respond to the truth and the grace, the more you're going to suffer. So in other words, what's happening is, oh, I'm feeling so loved and all these different things. But what's happening is you continue in the broken patterns, then what happens is you're continuing to destroy your life over that time. And so what we want to do is we want to understand that in order for grace and truth, it takes time for you to grow in grace, giving it to somebody. It takes time to learn how to share the truth. And over that time, over, but I do want to say over time, as you continue to give grace and truth and continue to do so, not because it's convenient, but because it's needed. Folks, there was nothing convenient about the grace and truth that comes to your life because the reason you have grace and truth is because of a cross. You have grace and truth because of a cross, and there was nothing convenient about that grace that we so greatly love and appreciate. How many of you are thankful for the grace that flows to you from the cross? Amen? So say this with me. Say, don't be a bucket. Be a pipeline. Don't be a bucket of that grace of God. Be a pipeline of it. In other words, buckets just receive, pipelines receive and give. And so if we put all this together and we apply it to our lives, here's just some application points that I just want to give you so that you know how to walk this out, because I believe in personal application. Number one, grow your intimacy with God through honest devotions where you can know and experience His grace and truth because it'll be very hard for you to receive grace and truth from even people if you don't know what it looks like in the face of God. Number two, get into relationships. Now, I'm not talking about hooking up. And we already talked to you high schoolers. This is not a hookup zone for legacy. So that's not... He said get into relationships. we got to be obedient. (laughs) Okay? I don't mean those type of relationships. I'm talking about the type of relationships where it's going to be iron sharpening iron, where you are going to receive grace, but you're going to receive truth. You're going to have to look for relationships where you can experience grace and truth of the body of Christ. And then number three, here's the thing that's that's key. You need to start living Truthfully. Folks, let me tell you this. Nothing can be healed that does not come out to the surface. Nothing can be healed that doesn't come to the surface. And I know this hurts us because many of us are going through struggles and we're praying, God, help me grow, help me change, help me do all these things. And we keep trying to work it out with God, but we forget an important principle. And I know we all hate it, more than likely. Do you know that in the Bible there is no such thing as healing or freedom without confession? Wish there was, right? I wish I could be healed without confession. I wish I could be healed without anybody knowing what's going on. But James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. Folks, I'm telling you right now, if you want your relationship to really grow, can I ask you, are you being real in your relationships? Do people know the real you? Are we willing to talk about what's really going on? Because as long as we fake the funk and as long as we pretend and as long as we don't deal, we keep putting out our false self, then we never get where God wants us to go. So we got to live truthfully. And then lastly, we need to give it time. Everyone say time. We need to give it time and turn away from quick fixes that only deal with the pain, but they never deal with the problem. Folks, I do not want you doing pain management. I want you doing problem-solving. Because pain management means I get rid of the pain, but I never deal with what's wrong. How many of you know you, do, you serve a Jesus who didn't die on the cross so that you can be distracted? He died so that you could be delivered. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I don't want distraction. I don't want distraction. I don't want pseudo highs. I don't want fake love. I don't want fake love comfort I want to get into the life that Jesus has for me and if I will give and if I will give grace and I will walk and give truth over time no matter what your relationship is it will grow it will grow it will grow because when you do that you're inviting Jesus who is full of grace and truth and just like over time he's changed my life and he's changed yours he can change any relationship amen Thank you guys so much for having me tonight. God bless
2: you. What a powerful message, yeah? I'm going to ask you to bow your eyes. Close your eyes. We're going we're gonna to pray. Lord, we come to you this evening, Lord, and... Lord, you've shown us how to grow in our relationships. We thank you for the message that Pastor Alex just shared with us. And Lord, we pray that we would take it to heart. That we would establish grace and truth over time. And in that, Lord, that you will grow in us. That you will grow in our relationships with others. But first and foremost, Lord, that we will see and experience it through you, as we build, grow and experience your love, your truth, your grace and everything else. Lord, I pray tonight that the, plant, that the seed has been planted, that when we leave here tonight, we will start to grow. That we wouldn't just uh, use grace or we wouldn't just use truth. But that we would use your example and let it live through us. Lord, we thank you so much for being a God that, yes, speaks truth into our lives, but does it so gracefully. And you do it over time and time again. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we pray this all in your mighty and powerful name, Jesus. And we all said, amen.